for all you fellas out there that really, really want to be dads, don't give up on that dream. Don't give up. And for all you guys that are out there that are doing your best to be awesome dads, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And I truly hope that all you dads out there are having a happy, happy Father's Day. I'm a dad and I'm happy. And so Father's Day, thank you for being here on Father's Day. You guys could have done anything you wanted to do today. You could have gone out fishing. You could have gone out playing. You could have worked in the yard, but you chose to be here today. And so thank you. Thank you very much for being here. I don't know if you know this or not, but Father's Day and fishing are kind of synonymous in a lot of different people's minds throughout America, particularly. And uh, there's a good reason. I mean, fishing is one of those things that's a classic. It's, it's one of those things that I think most people have a memory of, of a boy or a daughter with their dad. I do. I can remember being at about age four, about 40 years ago. And I was out on the Payette River with my dad and my grandpa, and we were fishing for trout with cane poles. And it was delightful. I absolutely loved it. I remember everything about it, or at least I remember a lot of details about it. And since that point in time, something clicked inside of me. And even though my dad's not really a big fisherman, I have been. And, and since that time, I have committed myself and dedicated myself to trying to learn as much as I possibly can about how to catch fish. And I, I think I could say, without any exaggeration, that I have caught thousands upon thousands of fish over the years. And I've jokingly said a lot of times to different people that I think that Jesus has a little bit of a sweet spot in his heart for fishermen. The reason why is, he, if you don't know this, he chose 12 disciples. And did you know that four out of the 12 disciples were all fishermen? And that he had three dudes that were closer to him than all the rest, James and John and Peter, all fishermen. So just saying, I think that Jesus has a soft spot, a little sweet spot for guys like me, guys like some of you out there. But here's the truth. I really do believe that the reason why he had those guys close to them, because there was something about them that he knew that was in them, that he wanted to take, and he wanted them to see how they could use these same things that they were using to fish for fish, he wanted to get them to use that to fish for people. In fact, one of the interesting things about Jesus was when he called these disciples to him, he said this to them, and it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And I want you guys to see this. This is what he said. Jesus called out to them, and he said, quote, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I don't know if you know this or not. But for those of you who are in this room who call yourself by his name a Christian, he wants to show you how to fish for people. And I got to say before I go any further, I am so thankful. I am so grateful for all of the people that God has used to fish for me in my life. He used so many different people. Maybe you've picked up on it already that there's this theme in what we're talking about today of this relentless love that God has for us, that there's no distance that he won't go, that there's nothing that he won't do in order to reach you. In other words, God continues to keep casting and to keep casting and to keep casting, hoping that you as a person, if you're not a believer, that you will come to a place where you will find that he is good and that he loves you, and you'll take that bait, 
You'll take that bite. Well, that's what we're hoping today that everybody will walk away with is this belief that God loves you and that he's relentless in his love for you and he'll keep casting. He'll keep trying to figure out ways to be able to catch you. But that's, that's what I want to do today is I want, to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we can fish for people. I started going through some pictures in my photo albums and things and, and I, I tried to piece together an accurate number and I couldn't really find one. Uh, but I believe that there has been some place in the vicinity of about 50 different people who have been in my boats over the years that I have sat down or talked to with them about the things that I want to talk to you today about. And these are the three things that are most important if you're ever going to have a chance or an opportunity to catch a fish. Here are the three things. These are the three things that you need to know how to fish for people and how to fish for fish. And these three things, it's equipment, presentation, and timing. Those are the three things, equipment, presentation, and timing. You need to know about these three things if you are going to fish for fish or if you're going to fish for people. So let's talk about equipment. Equipment is extremely important. It means anything and everything that you would need to have in order to have the opportunity just to be able to catch a fish. That would mean sometimes your clothing. It could mean your sunglasses. It could mean your rod, your reel, your boat. All of those different things are equipment, and if those things don't work, it could mean that you're not going to be able to actually catch fish because that equipment is essential. Take, for instance, the, some of the most obvious stuff like a rod and a reel and a line and lures and things like that. This is a rod and reel and a combo set that I use for fishing for pike or for bass. It's a single piece blank, which means there's not a rod that breaks apart. It's very strong, very, very rigid, not a lot of movement to it at all. And the reason for that is, is when you're trying to set the hook on a fish, you don't want this thing to flex an awful lot. You want it to be really strong so it sets the hook deep into that bony face of that fish. Well, this rod has also been designed in such a way that all the eyelets on here can take a certain type of line called braided line. I don't use a monofilament like that on my line because it has stretch in it. A braided line is actually thread. It's been braided together. It has no stretch in it. This reel has actually been designed to take that same braided line, and it has an increased reel spool capacity. The reason for that is, is so that if a fish happens to grab a hold of this thing and run, take 50 yards of line off in three seconds, this spool needs to have enough line to be able to do that. Not to mention, this reel actually is designed to be able to go in salt water as well as in fresh water, so everything in it is non-corrosive. It's also ergonomically or designed so that a closed hand can fit very well around it and hold on very, very tightly. Well, not only is this line incredibly important, but what you may not be able to see is this lure that's on there, and then there's a leader, a 40-pound monofilament leader. Now, the lure that's on there is uh, called a spinnerbait. It's made of titanium. And the reason why it's made of titanium is that when a great big toothy-faced pike decides to come along and chomp down on top of this thing, their mouths are so strong that if it's just a normal stainless steel, it's going to wad it up into a piece like a paper clip, and then you're going to be done. So titanium springs back into that same shape. And then pike are known for having razor-sharp teeth, and so a 40-pound monofilament goes on there to help withstand from those teeth. In fact, I have a picture that I'd like to show you of the inside of a pike's mouth. You can see there at the top of the mouth, there's some orange and there's the white teeth right there at the ridge. And then as it goes back down into the mouth, all those teeth are pointing back. And so when a fish gets in there, there's no way of getting out. Not to mention the fact that God designed those teeth that has an anticoagulant on it. So if you accidentally cut yourself, you're going to bleed all day, baby. Just saying. Why is all that important? You see, 
When you're in a boat and you're making some 3,000 casts in the course of a day, you don't want a heavy rod. You don't want a heavy reel. You don't want weak line that stretches and snaps when you try to set the hook on a fish. You don't want the wrong clothing on for the weather. You don't want the wrong sunglasses on so you're constantly getting the sun reflected back into your eyes. All of these things are a big deal to a fisherman. The equipment is such a critical deal because if that stuff isn't working right, when that finally happens, when you've been out there all day long and one of those fish finally decides to come along and to bite that bait, you don't want to miss that chance. You don't want to miss that opportunity. You want to get every single one of them. Well, when fishing for people, equipment is equally just as important. The equipment, though, is how we equip ourselves with an understanding about God or about the things of God or the ways of God or really how it is that he would want us to live. Equipping ourselves with that knowledge is incredibly important. And there are all kinds of ways that we can go about doing that. As parents, we can equip our children by helping them to understand the truths of God's words and stories and principles. But as an adult, as we start to get a little bit older, it's our responsibility to make sure that we are equipped. Having the simple or basic and necessary ability to be able just to explain to somebody why you believe in God, why you go to church, why do you get involved in church, why is this important to you, why does it matter? When you stop and think about it, what is the difference between an individual who has been saved or caught by God versus one who hasn't? It should look different. It should be different. And equipping ourselves to be able to have a simple answer for simple things like our faith or our belief or our actions is our responsibility. Did you know that the number one reason why people state that they don't share their faith or talk about God with friends is because they feel ill-equipped to be able to do so. Whose fault is that? Equipment is absolutely necessary. It's so critical if you're going to fish for people. Now, do we have to be like Dr. Jeff? You know, go to school and spend years upon years upon years upon years upon years trying to figure out all of these nuances and all the details? Of course not. That's a great thing to do. It's great to equip yourself with all that knowledge, but just the basic understanding of some of the most simple things. Reading books on apologetics, going online and reading a blog, showing up to church, learning how to be able to express yourself and your thoughts to somebody else is a part of the equipment. And that is something that all of us have a responsibility to do. Now, while equipment is incredibly important, presentation is equally as important both in fishing for fish as well as for people. Presentation, for instance. No matter how equipped you might be with all of the stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to present that stuff well to a fish. You might watch fishing shows online, and maybe you've gone into Cabela's at some point in time or some other fishing place around here. You can walk in there and you can walk out of there with all the latest and greatest fishing gear, all the top of the line stuff. You could even buy yourself a brand new boat and go out in it, but you're going to flog the water and you're not going to know anything about how to present. In fact, you're probably going to end up scaring a lot of fish away. I can't tell you how many times I've had people in my boat and I've equipped them with all the right tackle and all the right reels and all the right poles and everything. I make sure that none of that is going to be the issue. But I've watched these people cast and land in a tree or up under the bank or if there's weeds and logs and everything, they're casting on top. They don't know how to present yet. 
And so, oftentimes, I find myself having to talk to them about little things, little details. You know, how fast do you retrieve so that the right action is on that lure and so it changes its depth in the water? When you see structure, how do you want to bring it along? How do you want to land it? How do you want to cast so that you hit just that nice little spot? Or how do you read your line if you're wanting it to sink to the bottom? And as you're mending it, as you're moving downstream with something, all of these things take practice. And there is no substitute for that. If you're a person who is interested in fishing for fish, and you want to go out and buy all the right equipment and head out out there, you're probably not going to catch much, if anything at all. And the reason for that, even though your equipment is absolutely essential, your presentation is just as important And unfortunately, there is no shortcut for learning how to do that. You must practice and practice and practice and practice and practice it. Same is true in fishing for people. You could be equipped with all the knowledge in the world about all kinds of things. You could have a doctorate just like Jeff does. But if you don't come across with love, if you don't come across a way that's attractant, attractive to a person, then you're an idiot. You don't know how to fish for people. And you might even do the wrong thing, like scare them away. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I have talked to people who have said, oh, man, I hate church, or I hate Christians. They're always, like, trying to shove it down my face and hit me over the head with their Bible. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if you've ever seen somebody down on a street corner with a sandwich board on that says, turn or burn, and they're yelling out with a megaphone. It happened right here on Sullivan this past summer. I got to tell you, man, If that's the best strategy that you or somebody has for fishing for people, I don't want anything to do with it. I I just think that it's one of the worst possible ways that you could present the gospel is by telling somebody that they're a worthless steaming pile. I'm sorry if that's been you. Well, even though that's not my particular strategy, even though I've never been that dude that's been the sandwich board toting guy asking people to be Jesus freaks, I have presented the gospel poorly. I think all of us have at times, right? I mean, have you ever maybe gone to a grocery store and the clerk really didn't help you out all that well? And so you kind of lost it in that moment. Or been to a restaurant and your order wasn't right. So you kind of chewed somebody's butt, you know, set your message straight with the cook in the kitchen. Or maybe you're like me, and freeways are your nemesis and bad drivers. I can't tell you how many times I've really showed a pathetic Christian witness, didn't do a great job of fishing while out on the freeway. But we've all done that, right? It takes practice. It takes work. It's hard. I get that. We have to work on it. We have to work on it. We have to work on it. No one should expect that they're just going to be able to walk out of here and go someplace and immediately have a conversation with somebody and present it well without practice. Keep trying, keep trying. In fact, Peter. Peter is a guy that a lot of people, I think, are familiar with, even if you're not a churchy kind of person. Again, he was one of Jesus' disciples. Yes, he is a fisherman. Yes, he is one of those guys who are the closest three. But Peter is known most of the time for kind of making a huge mistake. I'm going to die for you, Jesus, even if, even if it, it means tonight. And he's like, well, actually, tonight you're going to deny me before the rooster crows tomorrow. You know, you're going to, you're going to deny that you even know me. And sure enough, he did. And Peter most of the time is known for that. But Peter 
while he made some of these big mistakes, Peter had a lot to say to the church afterwards about what it is that's our responsibility as a person, as a follower, as a disciple, as a person who's been caught by Jesus is now being asked by him, hey, I want you to not just fish for fish. I want you to fish for people. So what Peter wrote is in his letter to the churches, and if you have a Bible or you have a phone app or a, something like that, I want you to go to Second Peter. Second Peter, and I'm going to read a passage out of chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And again, Peter is a guy who has experienced a lot of the same stuff that you and I have in terms of failures when it comes to presentation of the gospel to people. And so when Peter wrote to the church, he had this to say about what God does to equip us and then what our responsibility is in terms of practice after God equips us. Let me read this to you again. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And it's not going to be on the screen. So if it's, it's something where you might be distracted, try to just pay attention to what I'm saying. He says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So in other words, God has equipped us with everything that we need for living our lives for him, the Holy Spirit. That's what he has given to us. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And, and here it goes. This is what he tells us to do. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Peter is saying here is, is that God equips us. He's giving us everything that we need for living a godly life. His Holy Spirit deposited into us and starting to make the changes. But then he comes along and says, now it's our responsibility to put into practice, to make the effort to respond to this by seeking out moral excellence. Has anyone besides me ever discovered that after becoming a Christian that there wasn't an immediate download of new strength and new ability to be able to resist all the stupid stuff that we had done before? Because if you're one of those people who are sitting around waiting for all of a sudden the power to be able to just stop sinning and the power to be able to not like that thing or to not like that thing or to start liking this thing, that, it's, that's not the way it works. God doesn't just come in and radically take over your mind and control and suddenly eradicate from you all of those desires. In fact, what we're told is that when the Holy Spirit is enabled or allowed to be able to speak and we listen to him, he gives us desires that are always in conflict with the human, natural desires. And our choices are never free from this conflict, Paul wrote to the church. See, it's our job. It takes work. It means that we have to do things like practice by going to church, by reading books, by reading the Bible, by spending time in prayer and spending time talking with other people. Why do I believe in God? 
Why is this important to me? Making much of him, showing by the way that I live that I have been caught, that I have been saved. And now with the way that I live, with love for other people, with love. I can't tell you how many times I have had people who came to me when I was back in my before Jesus days, who would come to me and try to witness to me. And the reason why they were witnessing to me is they wanted my behavior to change so I could make their life easier. They wanted me to stop doing the stupid stuff so I could make their life better and they wouldn't have to put up with me. But the fact of the matter is, is that the only time that witnessing ever worked with me was because somebody loved me. It's the truth with you too. It's the truth with all of us. It's the truth with all those fish that are out there that God so desperately wants to catch. Love them. And that's what Peter was saying here. The more you grow like this, this love, the more useful that all of us would be. And that is practice on our part. Lots of practice, lots of practice. No substitute for it whatsoever. Equipment and presentation are absolutely critical. Both of them go hand in hand. Without equipment and, and presentation, whether it's fishing for fish or fishing for people, Without that, you won't catch fish. Now, I've been fishing for years. I can't tell you how many times I have gone out on my boat or with somebody else in their boat or just off the bank of a river or a, a lake, and I've done everything right. Man, I've done everything right. I mean, I got the right equipment. I know that the fish should be there. Uh, the presentation is perfect, flawless or at least good enough, and nothing. Skunked, we like to say. That gets frustrating. I don't know if you've ever been like that in a situation as a fisherman or a fisherwoman, but that's frustrating. Many times I've had people in my boat after half a day has gone by and we've just been flogging the water and not catching anything, they sit down, and they take it easy, and they get a rest, and I let them, and then I remind them of that third thing that's so important in fishing. If you remember what it is, it's timing. See, we can control equipment and we can control presentation. We can get better at all of those things and upgrade over the years, all the stuff that we do and the stuff that we own. But we have no control over timing. God does. You don't know where that fish is going to be. You don't know if somebody else got there before you. You don't know if it had a bad night, you know, sore belly or sore face from somebody else. I don't know. But I've been in those situations, and every time I see somebody get a little pouty in my boat, I tell them, hey, I've never seen a person yet catch a fish with their bait in the boat. Get it out there. Put it in the water. Just try. Just try. If you will have the hope that with that next cast, it might just happen, then you can be a fisherman. Keep casting. Don't stop casting. I want you to know that I pray for you guys every week. I read your prayer requests multiple times throughout the course of the week. I know how many of you are praying for a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a coworker. Some of your hearts are breaking, just like mine, for somebody that you know that you've been fishing for forever. You have been casting. You've done everything that you know how to do. You've improved your game. Your presentation is great. Everything that you've been doing is absolutely flawless. 
Your equipment and your presentation is great, but that person still rejects. They won't take the bait, and it breaks your heart, and you become frustrated, and after a while, if you're like me, and I know I've done it, you just start to go, you know what? It's not working. It's not working. I'm tired. I'm tired of fishing for them. I'm tired of casting for them. I'm tired. It's done. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just tired. I've been there. I know what that's like. I know that many of you know that too. But you've got to remember something. We're never in control of timing, ever. You don't know when it's going to happen. So don't stop casting. Don't stop casting. Don't stop fishing for those people. Because you never know what could happen. In closing, I want to tell you a story. Years ago, I was in a small group with a whole bunch of people and and there was one particular gal in the small group whose husband would never go to church and never go to small group. And, and um, you know, we were praying for him, of course. And, and quite often what would end up happening is, is somebody would ask me, hey, Matt, how was your week? You know, what's going on? What'd you do? And, oh, I went fishing. Oh, really cool. Let's talk about it. So we'd be talking about it. And, and uh, I would start to share it. And this gal that was there in the group, she just loved getting these fishing stories. And she would take them home and she would tell her husband, about them, and the reason for it is, is her husband really liked to fish, and he wanted to catch pike, but he'd never caught a pike before. And so every time she would go home, she would tell him these stories. She was fishing. She was casting. And the reason for it was she was trying to get him to have so much interest in catching a pike that he would want to go out fishing with me. So she kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And this went on for a couple of years that way. I mean, through the seasons that we'd shut down our small groups and bring it back up, and the same thing, we'd be praying for this guy. Finally, one night she shows up, she's just getting excited, can't hardly wait to talk to me about something. And I'm like, what's up? She's like, he wants to go fishing with you. And I could tell that she was really excited about it, really excited about it, but there was something else that was kind of weird too, like nervousness. And I'm like, so what's the deal? What's going on? Why are you kind of freaking out? And she's like, I'm afraid you're going to blow him away. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, with your passion and zeal, I'm afraid you're going to get him out there in the boat and it's going to be just all ruined. She was afraid how I was going to present. She was afraid how I was going to fish for men with her husband. So I calmed her down and I said, hey, listen, here's the deal. If he agrees to go out with me in my boat, I will teach him how to fish for pike, period. That's it. If any conversation about God or faith or anything like that comes up, it'll be because he brought it up. But if he brings it up, baby, he's alone in my boat for the day, so I'll bet you're off, man. So we go fishing the first time, and he catches fish, and we're having a great time, and it's awesome. God doesn't come up. But he leaves, and he goes, and he buys all this new equipment, and rods and reels and line, and sets it up just like the stuff that I had in the boat, and he wants to go out fishing again. And I'm like, come on, let's go fishing. It'd be great. Come on. The third time we were out. He asked the typical question that a lot of people ask. So what does a pastor really do, you know? I mean, you preach for a couple of hours on Sunday, and then what, do you fish the rest of the week? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually, I told him that. Yeah, I do. I fish a lot. I fish for people. So I told him, well, part of what I do is I try to figure out ways to be able to connect the dots for people, and I've got a sermon series that's coming up on heaven. What do you know about heaven? I don't know. Well, you should. You plan on going? Well, Yeah. Well, you should show up, maybe learn a little bit about heaven. Idiot, come on. <laughs> and sure enough, he shows up. Two years later, this guy got baptized in front of a whole church 
and decided that he was going to start living his life fishing for people. It took over four years for that to take place. The reason why I tell you that is, is for a good two years of that, we never thought it would happen. And for that second two years, it was like, bite! Just bite! Come on, put your face on that thing. Bite it. And he wouldn't, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't. But we kept casting, and we kept casting, and we kept casting, and we kept casting. You know, long before he ended up coming to Christ, I had a conversation with his wife, and I told her, I said, you know, you gotta, you got to understand something here. This world is filled with difficult people, and I'm one of them. And now all of us have to be patient. And I want to share with you in closing this verse. Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor, and Paul, one of the apostles, said this to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Let me read this to you. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. That was me. I was that difficult guy in Satan's trap, doing whatever it is that he wanted me to do. But there were, there were patient people that weren't willing to quarrel, that weren't willing to fight. They just wanted to love me. They were putting up with my stupidity, my idiocy. And they kept fishing, and they kept casting. They kept fishing, and they kept casting. They kept fishing, and they kept casting. And they loved me. And they made that bait, that bait so attractive. But after a while, I decided, hey, this looks good. I think I'm going to try this. Who's the difficult people in your life? Who are the ones that God has got you in a relationship with because he wants you to fish for them? Who is it? And let's keep something in mind. You know, there's nobody else out there that's fishing for God if it's not the Christians. If the people who love him and have already been caught don't fish, then who will? If you're not, then who will? We've got to keep casting. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I am so glad. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that you never gave up, that you never quit. I'm so grateful that you put people in my life who loved me, who were careful to present to me in a way that was not abusive or offensive or rude. So grateful, God, that you have always, always been careful with me. As difficult as what I have been, your love is relentless. You, you've proven that there's nothing that you won't do to reach us. I'm so grateful that that you've not just done that for me, that you've done that for all of us. So Lord, I'm asking you that you would do something that only you can do, and that is, is that in every single person that's here, that you can speak directly to their heart. Nobody else can. And you know what to say to them. You know whether or not to say to them, good job, you're a great 
fishermen for people. You're doing a fantastic job of just living your life for me and loving people and making much of me. Good for you. But you also know how to say to those, Lord, you're not doing this. You're not doing this right. You got to work on your skills here. You got to work on some stuff. You got to work on your presentation here. You know how to convict, Lord. And I pray that you would do that here today, that you would move in the hearts of everybody here and that you would either encourage them or convict them as you see fit. I also pray for those who are in this room who, who don't know God yet. You haven't taken a bite. A lot of people have cast, but you haven't ever really done that yet. And maybe today you find yourself now in this situation where you're here at a church filled with a bunch of people who already have a pretty good understanding about stuff, but you don't. You don't know what to do. And if that's you, I want to help you take a simple, small step this morning, today. So I'm going to offer a prayer. You can make these words your own. You can change them around if you want to. The important thing is whether or not you really mean it in your heart. So here's a prayer. God, I, I give up. I surrender. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I pray that you'd take it and you'd clean me of it. I give you my soul, my desire, my wishes, my ambitions, everything. Will you change that? Will you change me? Would you give me a better reason to live than for what I've been living for so far? And I, I want to learn to fish for you. Would you please save me? And if that's you, maybe even right now, maybe even right now, you are feeling what it's like to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would truly cause us to walk away from this place today different, more able and more capable to be able to fish for people like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing through a song and we're going to take an offering. Both of these things are worship. They're the things that we do. And I want you to pay very close attention to these words in this song. Our God saves. And by the way that you live your life this week, you can demonstrate that and in and of itself be fishing. After the song, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to dismiss this. So let's sing and give. <laughs> That's great. Hey, if today you made that prayer first time for yourself, I want to invite you to grab one of these. It's a new believer packet. There's a book in there, some stuff to help you get going and open that up and then let one of us know. Also, for those of you who today uh, would like to take communion, kind of celebrate that today. We've got that available on both sides of the room. But guys, thanks for being here today. I hope you have an awesome Father's Day. If you need prayer, make your way toward the front instead of making your way out. God bless you guys. Hope to see you next week.